I believe that for some things, it's time to close the floodgates. Find out what I mean on this episode of Pushback. If you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello, everyone. Dr. Johnny here, and this is another episode of Pushback. I have a lot of ground to cover today, so I'm going to get right into it. But before I do that, I want to thank everyone for uh, the questions that they have submitted. You know, all I have to do is touch on this vaccine issue, and I certainly get some responses. And I honor all of those responses. And my plan is to address each and every one of those uh, on this podcast because they were all excellent questions. And I'm going to address very one specific issue on this podcast Today, I want to give you an update on uh, COVID. There's definitely been a spike uh, on Friday uh, prior to uh, releasing this podcast. Uh, there was about you know seventy to eighty thousand new cases per day reported, which is higher than the peak uh, in average daily cases seen last summer before the vaccine was even available. And this is all relatable to this Delta variant. Uh, However, U.S. health officials are urging more Americans to get vaccinated against COVID as the shots have proven to be highly protective against the virus and its new variant, especially against severe disease, hospitalizations, and death. And I want to make that clarification because many um, listeners have correctly reported to me that there have been uh, many cases of positive COVID tests in vaccinated people. And that is true. But in regards to severe disease, hospitalizations, and death, which is the reason we vaccinate in the first place, uh, it has represented 0.01% of hospitalizations are represented by those who are vaccinated which means that 99.99% of severe disease, hospitalizations, and death have been experienced by unvaccinated people. And so clearly, there are so-called breakthrough infections among the vaccinated people, but the severity is is incredibly less, and, and the severity and the filling of the ICUs and the hospitals have all been unvaccinated. So I want to make that clarification, but I also want to make that very clear uh, of what is happening. Uh, it's interesting, I've, and I've said this repeatedly because I never want anybody to misunderstand me. I have never advocated mandatory vaccination. I just have always recommended informed uh, citizens make it the right and appropriate decision for you and your family. But I also am a proponent of companies uh, being able to mandate their vaccines for their employees or for the benefit of their clients. I just heard on the news yesterday that the University of Minnesota, Alina Healthcare, Fairview, these are the huge players in the health systems uh, in the Twin Cities, have now required mandatory vaccinations for their employees. And CEOs have come out saying it's a no-brainer because we are in the healthcare industry and the vaccines have proven to be incredibly effective. And they they called it a no-brainer that their employees should be vaccinated. 
and they said they know they will lose employees over that. Um, but I do support the right of these companies, whether it's Target, uh, whether it's a coffee shop, whether it's a healthcare system, to to uh, require citizens to be vaccinated. This is not new, by the way. If you travel anywhere or you go to college or any of these places, they require vaccinations long before COVID was even a thing. Um, so there is that right for them to protect themselves and protect the clients that they serve. Today, I want to talk about something that I'm not going to lie to you has uh, made me angry. And I have committed and will continue to commit to this being an honoring podcast. And so I will do my best that I can to present this with honor for even those that don't see things like I'm seeing things. Um, with that being said, uh, I also want you to hear my passion and the importance of what we're going to talk about today, um, because uh, this is critical to our culture, which is what we're all about. Um, there's this issue of misinformation. Now, this has also been in the news lately because there is some talks about uh, some of these uh, big tech companies uh, and even the Biden administration talking about banning misinformation, uh, requiring some type of proof or, or something along those lines, which I believe is some type of communist China thing. I, I really do believe that. I'm not a conspiracy theorist guy, but this uh, flies right in the face of, face of First Amendment rights. Uh, and First Amendment rights actually allows us to propagate misinformation, <laughs> as hard as it is to hear that. We have the right to say and speak as we will. Um, but, but misinformation has been coming from all directions. And what I have been seeing, unfortunately, is even from the conservative right, uh, there has been a huge misinformation download to people. And we need to step up our game and not promote our agenda by any means. And what I mean by that is, or the ends justify the means. We can say anything we want, hurt any people, um, uh, uh, slander their reputation if it actually promotes our agenda. Now, you have the First Amendment right to do that, but we are connected, and the point of this podcast is to connect us to a higher way. And at the center and the heartbeat of the higher way are, are the Ten Commandments, the, the things that the Lord has given us to, to basically live our life by. And one of those is bearing false witness. And I feel passionate about this because I believe that the bearing of fal false witness right now is rampant in our culture and not just from the left, not just from those who are quote unquote against us, uh, but from the very even conservative voices and even Christian voices that are releasing misinformation information and not taking the time to seek proof. Thou shalt not bear false witness forbids two things. Number one, speaking falsely in any manner, lying, equivocating, or in any way devising and designing to deceive our neighbor. And number two, speaking unjustly against our neighbor to the prejudice of his, his or her reputation. Those are big things. This is at the very center and basic foundational aspects of Christianity. And remember, I've said this many times on my podcast, that whoever makes a claim has the burden of proof. So if you're going to spread information, whether it be on a blog or on the online or across the, the, the news channels, you have the burden of proof 
Um, and it's not just cutting and pasting headlines. Headlines are in place to, to stimulate you, to get your attention, to grab your attention, to make you want to read it or watch it. I have the headline of my podcast called Close the, Floodgla- Close the Floodgates. And it's a play on words about somebody very specific who is in the crosshairs of conservative misinformation. And that's Bill Gates. And I think it's time that we close the rhetoric around this man because I've actually dug into it. There has been um, the centerpiece of the outcry against Bill Gates actually comes from a statement that he made back in 2011, and it was on what's called TED Talks. So those those of you who are familiar with that, it's a it's a a very short period of time where those who are influential uh, have I think 15 20 minutes to say what they need to say, and 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 release information in a short but concise and powerful way, and instead of Headlines such as this one, fact, colon, if we do a great job on new vaccines, dot, 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 we can lower the rising population. That's the headline. Labeled as fact. And the dot, dot, dot is kind of telling because there's some things missing from what he said. And again, whoever spread this information is responsible to actually have the burden of proof to prove that what he is saying is correct. So I actually have in my hand the actual transcript from that TED Talk to find out what Bill Gates actually said. So let me read it to you directly, not cutting and pasting, not looking at other people's interpretation, but this is what he, this is what he said. Quote, first we've got population. He said during the talk organized by TED, a nonprofit organization devoted to spreading ideas. The world today has 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. But there we see an increase of about 1.3. Now that's the saying. Now, Gates was not suggesting that global population should be killed off using vaccines. He is instead saying that improving public health using vaccines can reduce unsustainable population growth in the future. And when he later saw data suggesting that when mortality rates fall, listen now, when mortality rates fall, so do birth rates. And Gates shifted his focus from preventing births to saving people already alive, which was the point of his statement. Now, on the surface, this can be interpreted many different ways, granted, and so I'm not saying that this is easily understandable. But remember, there's a burden of proof if you're going to make these claims, and so you can't rely on Dr. Johnny to go and dig all of these things up, which I did, by the way. So let me tell you the story of Bill Gates and and how this quote and the context of which it was written. I'm, I read a, an article by Matthew Harper from Forbes magazine, uh, which really broke this down uh, quite stunningly and beautifully. And he wrote, notice the words, metric measurable goals. Bill Gates is a, is a scientist. He's a, he's a program man. 
Why Gates' vaccine-based giving, closing in on $6 billion to fight measles, hepatitis B, rotavirus, and AIDS, among others, is part of the largest, most human-driven philanthropy in the history of mankind. America's richest man, he'd be the world's richest had he not already given away so much money. With the reputation, resources, and determination to stamp out infectious disease, I'd be deeply disappointed, said Gates, if in the next 25 years, we, he can't lower the death toll by 80%. Otherwise, quote, we're just not doing our job very well. So Bill Gates' plan to eradicate disease stems from a bold concept. The demographic theories of Thomas Malthus, generally accepted for the past two centuries, are wrong. Specifically, that substance... <laughs> Subsistence eventually translates into population growth, and population growth eventually translates into misery. Basically, saying why aren't we feeding and take, why are we feeding and taking care of the poor when it just creates more poor? So, in 1997, when he and Melinda, Bill Gates's wife, first ventured into public health, their eponymous foundation would come into being. In two years, they focused on birth control, funding a Johns Hopkins effort to, re to use computers to help women in the developing world learn about contraception. The logic was crisp and Bill Gates friendly. Health equals resources divided by people. And since resources, as Gates noticed, are relatively fixed, the answer lay in population control. Thus, Back in 1997, vaccines made no sense to him. Why save kids only to consign them to a life in overcrowded countries where they risk starving to death or being killed in civil war? That's the way that he looked at things. Health equals resources divided by people. He also had a theory success equals teachers divided by students. But he wasn't afraid to challenge assumptions when they don't work. And in education, he had a clear reversal. Class size, it turns out, is not the best determinant of student outcome. Teacher quality is. So after spending a fortune, Gates shifted course. Similarly, this happened in regards to third world countries. In society after society, now this is important, he saw when the mortality rate falls, specifically below 10 deaths per 1,000 people, the birth rate follows and population growth stabilizes. It goes against common sense, Gates says. Most parents don't choose to have eight children because they want to have big families. It turns out, but because they know many of their children will die. This is a hard concept for us to get our head around in Western society. But in, in especially African third world countries, they have multiple children. My daughter just came back from Kenya, and I would love to give you an update on a future podcast when I have more time. Uh, but needless to say, it was life changing and her, I believe her life is forever altered. Uh, but she said the average family size in Kenya, despite abject poverty, was seven children. Belinda uh, Gates says, if a mother and father know their children is going to live to adulthood, they start to naturally reduce their population size. So in terms of giving, Gates did a 180 degree turn. Rather than prevent births, he would aim his billions at saving the kids already born. 
We moved heavily into vaccines once we understood that, says Gates. He could have focused on clinics and doctors, but that doesn't scale. The magic tool of health invention is the vaccine because they can be made very inexpensively, he says. We had to choose that the most impactful thing to give would be not just money, but our time, energy, and voice. Melinda, his partner in all things philanthropic, echoes that thought. Where's the place you can have the biggest impact with the money? Where can you save the very most lives with those resources? He, the article goes on to talk about how Bill Gates, because of his entrepreneurial spirit, was actually able to incentivize these large vaccination companies to actually want to even profitably move into Africa to release uh, vaccinations uh, to these third world countries. Because you can have all the money in the world and you can have all the intentions in the world, but unless we can actually get the vaccine to where it needs to be, it's fruitless. And so he has been dedicating his foundation and his resources to actually, to actually mobilize companies to help with the cause of vaccinating children. So despite that, Bill Gates is in the center and in the crosshairs of conservative rhetoric. There's things that say, I hate Bill Gates, Bill Gates of hell. The blogosphere still expels, I'm reading, dark plumes of I hate Bill Gates posts on, and websites accusing him of bilking taxpayers because Seattle granted him free land to build the new campus, which organizes his philanthropy. Or spreading autism through vaccines, now widely discredited. Please see my previous blogs or podcasts or of playing God through his foundation. Some clinicians criticize him wistfully for fixating on vaccines to the exclusion of other medical causes, such as food and water. So now they're upset that he isn't playing God, that he can't do all things for all people. <laughs> Gates, who announced that his $40 billion foundation will shift its total attention now to fighting COVID-19. And of course, in response to this, he's been accused of a range of misdeeds from scheming to profit off the vaccine to creating the virus itself. As I dug it deeper into this, it breaks my heart as there's been so many people that have attacked him. Uh, Brandon House of Worldview Watch warned that Gates and the medical globalist deep state were using the crisis to regulate people's fertility, depending on their worldview, through procreation tickets and microchips. Anti-vaccination activist Robert F. Kennedy Jr. posted a video featuring a 1984-style audience listening to Gates with text declaring that the microchip corporation co-founder is conducting global social and medical experimentation via the World Health Organization. The New York Times noted that misinformation about Gates has become, quote, the most widespread of all coronavirus falsehoods trending online. You know, this has impact on so many levels because misinformation actually costs lives. We are in the middle of a pandemic and, and, the, and, and as this spreads through third world countries, it's causing devastation and, and ravaging death tolls. In Kenya, which we're now, our family is now intimately connected through our daughter. All 27 members of the nation's Conference of Catholic Bishops declared that the WHO and UNICEF campaign to administer neonatal tetanus vaccines to women of childbearing age was really a, quote, disguised population control program. Nothing has changed. Nothing is new under the sun. Same conspiracy theories. 
According to the bishops, the vaccines were laced with a hormone that would cause repeated miscarriages and eventual sterility. Where have we heard that before? The Kenyan parliament was forced to have the vaccine tested repeatedly. But by the time the claims were debunked, priests around Kenya had already instructed their congregants to refuse the vaccine. Now that's just tetanus. You may say, well, that's not a big deal. It is in third world countries, but we may throw up our hands and say, what's the big deal? But there have been stories about countries in the southern portion of Africa uh, during the HIV epidemic when the same story happened where treatments um, and preventive measures were brought into Africa, that there was the, the conspiracy theory that the rest of the world were coming in just to control population or to produce genocide. And many of the leaders and, and mayors and, and government officials in these countries warned people that this was a conspiracy plan to wipe out their country. And they refused to receive HIV help. It has been estimated that that decision alone, just in the matter of months and years, cost 300,000 African lives. We are in this battle now when we're talking about our own COVID vaccine misinformation. The Gates Foundation has already committed $300 million to the fighting of the coronavirus and finding a vaccine. Tens of millions of that sum are dedicated to ensuring that vaccines are distributed in poor countries. Conspiracy theories suggesting an eventual vaccine uh, is part of a nefarious plot could leave many of the world's most vulnerable at greater risk. In the U.S. alone, a late April survey found that nearly a third of Americans say they re they'll refuse a vaccine, which is about where we are in vaccination percentages. There's been misinformation, uh, you know, a headline that says, why didn't Bill Gates vaccinate his own children? There's the headline that grabs your attention. It grabbed my attention. It grabbed my reader's attention. And then once you dig in and you realize and you actually ask Bill Gates himself, he fully vaccinated all of his children. Fully vaccinated all of his children. It's just simple misinformation. And I would even go so far to say that it's bearing false witness. It's looking to, and I quote, unjustly, uh, speaking unjustly against our neighbor to the prejudice of his reputation. My friends, there is a anti-elitist, anti-government agenda. And that is even on the right, and it concerns me. Anti-elitist uh, can be an issue, especially in capitalism, when there's greed connected to it. When we take a man like Bill Gates, who is exceedingly generous, historically generous, then I believe that we can embrace his heart. I am not anti-government. I am small government. And I think there is a difference. But when we say things hoping for it to be true or say things to slow the opponent's momentum, that is called bearing false witness. If you make a claim, you have the burden of proof. Now, I'm not a Bill Gates apologist. He has positions on immigration and global warming and some things that I don't agree with. But here's the deal. He's not a country. He's a person. and He can spend his money on whatever he chooses to spend his money on. And if he wants to use it to clean up our environment, you go, man. It's his money. 
It doesn't mean because he is rich or influential that he is up on a mountain in his evil lair, um, twiddling his fingers, plotting to, uh, to take over the world or, or a eugenic plan. It doesn't mean that he isn't. But we cannot bear false witness unless, until we have proof that he is. I have an idea. When you have somebody who, who has, has had innovation and has created and has had tremendous wealth and has taken the responsibility for that wealth because as much has been given, much is required. And he sees that and he's taken upon that mantle in his life and he's actually sewn it into the children of third world countries to, bring, to promote health. That maybe, just maybe, we should honor the man. Maybe we should bless him. Maybe, and I know this is radical, maybe we should even thank him. You know, that is aligning ourselves to the word of God, that we bless him, that we thank him. Is he a perfect man? No. Is he sinless? No. Uh, could he have ulterior motives? Yes, it's possible. But I will not bear false witness against him until I have proof. And I will bless his generosity and his willingness to give. On this particular topic, I believe it's time to close the floodgates. I believe it's time to seek truth and honor that. That's my opinion. I would love to get your opinion. And if you send me links, I will open them and I will look at them, but there has to be proof connected to them. There can't be wild conjecture. The, the whole Bill Gates phenomenon is centered on this one message that he gave uh, back about uh, 10 years ago, which was completely taken out of context and I believe actually slandered him. So let's take a deep breath. Let's look at the facts. Let's be careful what comes out of our mouth or what we cut and paste or what we pass forward on Facebook. Because it's a responsibility to bring health and wholeness to our culture. And we are the ones that set the culture. So let's go together now to set and shape the culture. Mm -hmm.